starting with the 19th verse. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and the living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day draw near. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We ask as we share this morning in Your Word that You would be with us and uh, the children in their ministry as well. Thank You in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I I haven't... Oh, I, do they stay standard for that? <laughs> no, after this, yes. Okay. Uh, we have the catechism for the children that they're going through. And the question, let's read it together. What does the law of God require? And the answer, that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen. The children are dismissed for their session. We've been working our way through the Apostles' Creed. Today is our last uh, message uh, uh, in the series. Uh, next week we'll start with Advent, and uh, we'll be having our Advent wreath out, and, and uh, we'll be starting with the uh, candle for hope, and uh, looking forward as the Old Testament look forward to the coming of Christ, and as we look forward to the second coming of Christ. So that'll start next week. Last week, uh, well, let's just uh, there's there's three obviously key things within the, the Apostles' Creed that we read together, and it says, "I believe in God the Father Almighty, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I believe in the Holy Spirit." In other words, we believe in the Triune God, the Trinity, three persons, one essence, one being, and so we believe in one true God, who reveals Himself in three different ways. And so, as we look at this, we're now at the point where we're talking about, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And we really focused on that part of the message last week. And just a, a reminder, uh, in John chapter 16, Jesus says that He's going to send the Helper. The Holy Spirit is our Helper, our Comforter. He is here with us. Okay, we have to, to get a hold of that somehow. Uh, the Holy Spirit literally is with us. And, and that's universally throughout the church around the world. He is with us. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says that He actually dwells in us. In other words, when we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord, and it says in, in Romans chapter 10 that we'll be saved. At that point in time, the Holy Spirit enters in 
and, and literally indwells us. We don't have to have a special service or any kind of uh, other action. It happens as we confess Christ with our heart. In other words, God knows the, our heart as we are, are saying it. And if He see, hears a sincere confession and, of faith, the Holy Spirit enters in and literally indwells us. And He doesn't come and go. He is here in us. So every one of us who confess Christ, every one of us who believe He is the Son of God who died for our sins, as, as we are saved, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And then in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll, let's read, I want to read these two verses, uh, verses 13 and 14 of, of the book of Ephesians, excuse me, chapter 1. Thirteenth and fourteenth verses. It says, "In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed." Now, this is an additional picture here. Not only are we dwelled, it says we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. It's an amazing thing. We're sealed. I mean, it's a done deal. The, the, the price has been paid. It was finished on the cross. And so now when we receive the Holy Spirit, we have a guarantee. We are sealed with a guarantee that we have what God has promised us. We are joint heirs with Jesus for eternity. We are considered the children of God. It's it's so amazing when you start to put it together of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And so, this is who we are. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He indwells us. He has sealed us. And in the process of this, uh, in Romans uh, chapter uh, 12, a very familiar uh, verse, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This idea of transformation. We tend to be, as a culture, and it doesn't matter what culture you're in, conformed to what is around us. We have certain ethics or, or uh, holiday... Thanksgiving, you know, uh, these things. Is, we're not saying it's wrong to participate, but don't let those things be the dominant thing. In fact, on Thanksgiving, we don't say just thank you for our freedom. We say thank you for Jesus Christ and our salvation. We are, we are above and beyond what the world looks for. We have a hope, a guaranteed, sealed hope that we have eternal life such an amazing thing. It should grant you so much peace and comfort. So I believe in the Holy Spirit. Was, is, is, I just wanted to touch on that one more time. And, and the Holy Spirit is the one responsible for the renewing of our mind. As we read the Word of God, He opens our eyes to it. 
And as we read it over and over and over again, how many times might you read the Word of God? I remember a, a uh, visitor from uh, Asia. Uh, he was uh, just simply um, a traveler. Uh, he came to uh, church and uh, we ended up housing him for a few days because he was looking for various family members. He had become a Christian. And he, came, he knew that a bunch of his family had extended family had come to California and he started actually up in, in Medford, worked his way, and he's working his way through California looking for his families to share Christ with them. And he had a whole summer to do that. He was a teacher and he had uh, he'd taken a whole summer off uh, in Korea. They have full-time year-round school. but uh, So he, he was taking it off and out of his own pocket, this type of thing. And it was such a blessing to meet him. And so we had him at a Bible study and for those of you who recall the scribes, Phil and Arlene, he was asking, you know, how many times have you read the Bible? And he said, one, two, three, four. And he, you know, he's getting up there. And Arlene kept nodding her head. You know, Arlene was a, an amazing woman in the sense of her faith and her, her just absolute hunger for the Word of God. And she was one awesome teacher of the Word of God as well, the women's Bible studies and ministries that she was involved in over the years. And, in fact, teaching third grade in, 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 pub, in, in uh, actual school as well. And so here she is, and she just... And then he says, oh, that's so good. How many times do you read next year? And Arlene kind of sat back, kind of like, oh, what are you... And what he was pointing out was is that in Asia... And uh, Christianity isn't the number one thing. In fact, Christianity, if you become a Christian, you may get ostracized from your family. And so, uh, reading the Word of God, there's this hunger that this constant... And he says, over and over again, and he says, you get a little bit more, get a little bit more, get a little bit more. We all know that is true. And uh, so, the idea is, is to understand... The Word of God is something that we continue to embrace for a lifetime. There's no exhausting what you can learn from it. There's no theologian out there that has it down pat. No matter how many books he's written or or she's written, no matter how many messages or or studies they've taught, it doesn't matter. it, It continues to yield fruit in your life. And you get a deeper and deeper understanding. So, as we look at this, uh, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He transforms our mind. How? By reading the Word of God. It's been given to us. God has revealed Himself in His Word in such a way that we can actually get to know who He is. Will we know Him completely? No, we'll never know Him completely. Even where we're given a hint as to what will happen in our in our resurrection, uh, that we'll see him face to face, we'll know him face to face. But even then, I think I think heaven's going to be an abounding time of of constantly yielding to the to the awesomeness of who God is and what He's done. Let's face it, He's eternal. We have all had a beginning, even if we have eternal life. He's He He has no beginning. He has no end. You'll never exhaust it. So today, we get a taste of that by just being in His Word, having the Holy Spirit help us and dwell us, and He has sealed us.
So that brings us to the next statement in the uh, Apostles' Creed, and that is the talking about the Holy Catholic Church. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. Now, I think a lot of people struggle with this. You even see a, an asterisk on it on our, our uh, screen uh, when we say it. The Holy Catholic Church is, is the idea of Catholic. We'll get to it in a minute. Uh, but it, it's not the, the Catholic Church, i.e. Vatican. It's Catholic Church meaning the universal church. The church, the body of Christ. But we'll talk more about that in a minute. We start with the idea that it's holy. Set apart for God's purpose. That's what a holy item is. Something that is set apart for God's purpose. And within a framework of that, it is meaning that we are a holy people. We can come into the presence of God. But the reason we are holy has nothing to do with ourselves. It has everything to do with what Christ accomplished on the cross. We are holy because He became sin for us. As a result, He paid our price and now we can be in the presence of God. So we are a holy people. We're not conformed to this world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, In John uh, chapter uh, 17, We have uh, Jesus in His high priestly prayer uh, praying for the body of Christ. And He says uh, at verse 13, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. In other words, we may share in the joy of Christ. Now here Christ is looking ahead to the cross. What kind of joy does He want to share with us? The joy of the victory of the cross because it's a victory for Him as well. I have given them Your Word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. See, we're in the process of being transformed. Not conformed to the world, but being transformed. Okay? And, and so it says, Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that You take them out of the world, but that You keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And now for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. The thing that I wanted to draw out of that one is a familiar phrase that we use. We are in the world, but what? Say it loudly. Not of it. Okay, why? Because we belong as saved people. We belong to the kingdom of God. That is now our country, if you will. That is who we are. But we're still in the world. Why? Because we are carrying the message of Christ to as many as we can in our lifetime that they might hear the Word and, and, and be able to seize that same hope that we have. I have seen so many people over my ministry that have, you know, they, they've, uh, in their elder years, uh, you know, you think maybe they, you know, what, what they don't even get to go to church. Maybe they're stuck in a restaurant. I think of Jackie as, as somebody like that. And, and, and 
Yet, she has a prayer list that this doesn't end. And, and she's constantly praying. That's how she ministers. And she's still being used of God in a very awesome way. And, and she, she talks to the, the people who will ask her, you know, how come you are this way or that way or whatever? And, and she gets to share her faith. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's an awesome thing that for, the, for as long as we have breath, we have the opportunity to share Jesus Christ. And that is what God looks for us to do. We're not in the world. We're part of the kingdom of God. But we are, and we're not, we are in the world, but we're not of it. And we're not being conformed to it. We're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. In the world, but not of it. In the book of, of Romans again, going back to the 8th chapter... I've had, uh, I had one Bible college professor who felt that that was his favorite chapter in the Scriptures. Uh, in, uh, starting with the 12th verse. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... And most of your Bibles probably have that capital S. By the Spirit. So everything that is implied. Indwelling, sealing, all the things that go with the Holy Spirit is implied in that word. Okay, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, we get to call the Creator of the universe, God Almighty, we get to call Him Abba, Father, which is a familiar term, the word Abba, especially. And, and, and it means that we have a child-father relationship. The Spirit Himself, again, the Holy Spirit Himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I, I look at these words, I, I read them often, but this is who we are. We are a holy people set apart for God's purpose, and we're part of the universal church. The word Catholic, again, meaning universal. All believers, past, present, and future. The body of Christ. And now where it says the church, I want you to understand as the church, we are a unique people. Not only in this idea of being transformed, you, you might want to say transformed in the sense of, of how, is there some words to describe this? And I think Peter gave us an, an opportunity to see some of this. In First uh, Peter chapter 2, we have uh, a picture he says in verse 9, chapter 2 of 1 Peter, You are a chosen race. We are, 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 we are Christians. We are children of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus. We are a chosen race. God has chosen us. He has called us. He has chosen us. We are a royal priesthood. Jesus is considered our high priest. 
He has interceded on our behalf. And as becoming Christians, we are part of that priesthood, meaning we have a responsibility to declare God. Okay? And, and serve Him. Uh, there was a pastor's con- uh, and leadership conference that uh, our leadership went to a few years ago where there was a, the theme was, we were slaves to sin, but now we are, and it says servants to Christ, but it's the same word as slave to sin. It was doulos to sin. Now we are doulos to Christ. We are slaves to Christ. We are not independent people in that sense. We belong to Christ to serve Him. We have an obligation to serve Him. So we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, which we've already decided, you know, talked about the fact that we are holy through the blood of Christ. We are holy because God has called us and separated us. We are trans- being transformed into the likeness of Him and not to the, to the things of the world. We are a people for His own possession. He, he, he owns us. That's a hard thing for us independent people to, to we think of all of our freedoms and, and things like that. But the reality is we are servants of God. He owns us. We are His possession through the blood of Christ. And the alternative, because there's only two choices, is to be a slave to sin, which means ultimately your death and separation from God. We are His own possession that you may proclaim. Here we are in this idea of a priesthood of people who proclaim the things of God. We may proclaim His the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. He's being collective here, but you could put that into an individual. You were not of God, but now you are. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy is undeserved grace. Undeserved forgiveness, if you will. So here we are. We are a holy universal church. The church is the body of Christ. We are a unique people, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own purpose, the pleasure and possession. I also want you to think about the church as the visible. The church is, is, is synonymous with the context, the body of Christ. Meaning, the, the, as the world sees the body of Christ, they, the, they see it through the church and through His Word and through the church. So we represent Christ that you've heard uh, maybe people say, you know, you may be the only Christ somebody ever sees. You know, that type of statement. But the reality is that we are the visible body of Christ. I want you to look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10 again. Uh, we read as our, our scripture today. Verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. The holy places, the holy place is the temple of God. The, the place of God's dwelling. We have the confidence to enter in. What happened when Jesus said it was finished? He gave up his, he breathed his last, and something very important happened. Some of you might say, oh, the earth shook, and this, this. The most important thing that happened was the veil of the curtain in the temple 
was rent in two. The veil that separated the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, from being mishandled. In other words, you know, where people would not come into God's presence accidentally. You know, this type of thing. The only person that was allowed to go beyond that veil was the high priest and him only once a year. And it was rent in two and spread open. A.W. Tozer says, and not for us to visit, but to dwell there. We enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast. And those are our pictures of, of, of being made purified through the blood of Christ. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. God has promised this. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, together collected. It is a promise. And once God has made a statement, it's permanent. It doesn't. It, it's, it's there. And He says this is a promise. And let us consider, and I, this is really the important part I, I thought of for us today. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And notice he says here, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the day is capitalized in a lot of your Bibles, uh, drawing near. The day means the second coming of Christ as it draws near. By the way, no matter and I know I said this the last couple of weeks probably, no matter what happens for us in this room, this is last days. You have one life to live, and then it says the judgment. So, this picture of, 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 of stirring up one another, that can't be done unless we do what we're doing this morning right now. We come together we open the Word together. We pray together. We worship together. And we encourage one another. And then in Bible studies and other opportunities that uh, might uh, come your way, you turn around and then also reading the Word and encouraging within your family and maybe, maybe your neighbors and others that you come across. We are to encourage. But the most important thing here is that we are to fellowship on a regular basis together. In Acts chapter 2, uh, in the beginning of, 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 of the, the, the church, uh, we, we are told how they, they got together. Um, I'll start with verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and, uh, and the prayers. The breaking of bread is symbolic of, of the idea of communion. Uh, and, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had things in, all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Somebody says, does that mean that's what we're supposed to do today? There might be a time where that might be called of us again. In some churches, it is what they do because they're in a restrictive area where they need to help each other. 
Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This idea of fellowship together, sharing in the Word of God, the apostles teach, sharing in the Word of God. And so we have the communion of the saints, the fellowship of believers. That's what the communion of the saints is. The fellowship of believers. And remember, you know, Jesus said something very powerful. He says, where two or three or two or more are gathered together, I'm in their midst or I'm in their, in their presence. And so this idea of gathering together is an extremely important part of our faith and our walk with Christ. The Apostles' teaching includes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it goes on to the, 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 the teaching of what that accomplished, and it's the forgiveness of sins. It says in the Creed, we go on to the idea of the forgiveness of sin. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. We've shared these Scriptures over the last few weeks. But it, where it says the wages of sin is death, it goes on to say, but in contrast to death, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Going back to Ephesians, just share with you, it says, Blessed, in, right in the first chapter, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us, we are a chosen people, a chosen race. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. So the whole plan of salvation was something that was in effect and already put in place before the foundation of the world, before, before creation. He loved us, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption. Redemption. We've been redeemed. We say, we sing a song, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. To be redeemed is to be purchased back. Okay, We have been redeemed. It's just so awesome to see it that way. And to the praise of His glorious grace, we have blessed us as beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. According to the riches of His grace. Our trespasses are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven because of His grace. Not because you earned it in any way, shape, or form but because He, on the cross, at the point He said it is finished, literally paid in full. And then it says, this grace which He lavished upon us. To lavish upon something is to go above and beyond what is needed. You see somebody maybe living a, a lavish lifestyle. You think they're, they're extravagant and, and over... You know, over you know, Extension, you know, using their money for frivolous things, this type of thing. But this idea here of is more than enough. 
to cover you. He has lavished upon us His grace. So we have the forgiveness of sins. And then we have the resurrection of the body. We've actually gone over that in an earlier message, but Jesus is, is the first to be resurrected. He's called the first fruits. Uh, he is the first fruits of, of, the, of the resurrection, which is the promise. You've got to understand this picture, first fruits. We're, we're, uh, we're not most of us involved in, in agriculture and this type of thing. The first fruits is the very first fruits that come out of the crop. But it's the indicator of what the crop is going to be like. And here we have a harvest that's going to be full. So the first fruits is the evidence of something that is yet to come, which is the full harvest, the whole harvest. And so he is the first of the whole harvest. And it's a bodily, physical resurrection. They touched him. They talked with him. He ate with them. And His promise is that we will join Him. And then the last part of the creed says that we have the life everlasting. Eternal life. Second Corinthians, I'll just use this one Scripture this, this morning. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. the 17th verse. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, to share it on. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, to share it with others. That's our, our obligation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. What an awesome picture. There's another verse that I I frequently put in here. it's the fourth verse of, of chapter 5. Uh, Paul's talking about on earth we live, live in these tents. I know I've been in an extensive description of this earlier in, the, in this series. But the idea is that our tents are frail. Tents are made to be everlasting. And certainly the tents that at the time, Paul, by the way, being a tent maker, you know, they were made from skins and, and material, and they wear out. Okay, that's what happens with these. They're mortal. They're not immortal. They're mortal, and and they have a life expectancy, so to speak, and they wear out. Okay, so we're in these tents. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, uh, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. And I, this phrase is so awesome, so that what is mortal, who we are, may be swallowed up by life. We think what is mortal is, we, we, we consider ourselves in this room right now, all of us alive. 
And we are in the context of how we understand it. But we are mortal, which means we are going to, these bodies are going to what? Going to die. That's a morbid thought, but it's still the reality. But the neat thing is, is that He has prepared us for this thing as God. He's given us the Spirit to, and has sealed us in, with the guarantee that what is mortal, these bodies, will be swallowed up by what really is alive. We don't know life yet in comparison to what it will be. We're only getting glimpses. And this is why our hope is looking forward. We can't wait for the day of Christ. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. Actually, reading those verses out of first, out of Second Corinthians chapter five, it's kind of a perfect lead into communion. You know, uh, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin. He came in the flesh. He, Philippians chapter two, verse uh, starting with the ninth verse, it talks about He emptied Himself and became a man, even a servant to men, even to the point of the cross. And through the cross, He purchased our salvation and He paid in full. And so when we come to the table, we don't, we don't bring anything with us. What we do is we, we bring a, a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of joy, a heart of, of wanting to see Christ glorified in all His glory looking for that day where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is, a Christ, Jesus is Christ, the Lord of all. We have communion up here. We don't pass the trays. We ask people to come up and pick it up. On this side, we have uh, the communion. Uh, it's in two cups. The, the top cup is the uh, juice, and the bottom cup is the bread. And if you prefer to have it that way, this side is a packet that you can open up and it opens up to the bread and then the cup is underneath. And so uh, we ask that people pick it up while we sing the song for communion. And if you would take it back to your seats and hold it until we've all been served and we will share communion together. Shame, holy is his name. 
to the Corinthians was giving them instructions on communion. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed, He took bread. And when given thanks, He broke it and He said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And they shared the bread. Paul goes on, he says, In the same way also Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So we're celebrating not only what He has done, but what He is yet going to do. Let us share in the cup. Father, again we come with thanksgiving, asking, uh, or actually proclaiming, you know, Lord, how awesome You are. Asking for Your grace, Your forgiveness, Your covering over us. I think of the phrase, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Give us a heart of forgiveness for others as well as enjoying the blessing of Your grace and Your forgiveness, Lord. And Father, we thank You again for the opportunity to gather together today to worship in song, in opening Your Word, in prayer, in sharing together. Be with us as we go, Lord, that we might be the people that You need us to be. Have our ears open, Lord, for that opportunity where someone might say, what is it you believe or why are you the way you are that we could give the testimony of what you have done for us? Again, we worship you, we praise you, and we thank for the, you for the grace you have lavished on us. Go with us now as we go into the world, in it but not of it.
Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we leave, I just wanted to share with you the last words of a book by A.W. Tozer uh, wrote. And uh, it has to do with the Apostles' Creed. And he finishes his, his book on this. He says, The ideal for us all is to bring our beliefs, I believe in the Lord God, Father, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Okay. The ideal for us all is to bring our beliefs into line with revealed truth as found in the sacred Scriptures and then to bring our actions into accord with our beliefs. And God has not left us to our own devices in discovering the truth nor to our own strength in following it. He has given us the Holy Spirit to be both guide and helper. He will show us what to believe and then, as we surrender to Him, He will enable us to walk in the light of it. Then will both the creed and the deed be pleasing to God. Lord bless. Have a good rest of the day. Would you stand as we close?
wonderful rest of the day.